Yeah, we'll, we'll get started as you find your notes. That works. Welcome to this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. Oh, and I am Gloria Ackerman. I thought you were going to do a fun talking thing. No, I just started. <laughs> okay. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> there this was week... so much in these episodes to do. <laughs> this week we'll be talking about Season 8, Episode 17, Heal Thyself, and Season 8, Episode 18, Old Soldiers. Oh, you'll love Heal Thyself. You need to go out and watch that one. It's If you're in an intense mood. This one begins... Yeah. Um, in the mess tent, everyone's having their terrible breakfast and complaining, yeah. and Colonel Potter comes in with fever, Margaret felt his glance, he has the mumps, mm-hmm. which I guess they all got when they were working with children at the orphanage. So uh, Colonel Potter gets put in his tent, um, just Winchester ends up getting put in that tent because he has the mumps they get a fill-in doctor who seems to be wonderful you'll see what happens to him and it's basically that's the whole plot is the mumps and this doctor that comes to fill in um yeah um great actor did a great job what's his his real name because he's edward familiar edward herman uh according to the wiki he passed away in 2014 from brain cancer, but uh, did has a long uh, list of films that he was in and such. And yeah, very he did a great job. Um, just the the workup to his character having the mental breakdown. Uh, was done so well. I mean, it was it was subtle, but you could see it. And then, yeah, he came in quite um, confident. Actually, yeah. he knew what he was doing. He, you know, had formerly worked in. I I can't remember what it was called. They called it. Well, he he was there. The basically from the outset of the American presence, and keep in mind. Um, when we had a, an American presence, the North Koreans, let's see here, if I'm remembering my history right, the North Koreans pushed the American forces and South Korean forces back to the Pusan perimeter. Then the UN came in and forced that pocket back out up to the Chinese uh, border. And then the Chinese got involved, and that's where we ended up at the parallel. And that's pretty much where the border is now. I mean, he and he just but operating in a jeep while it's moving in the middle of the night, save the kids' legs, and mm-hmm. I mean. Then I got a found a bottle of gin, got drunk. Driver requested a transfer. Yeah, you know, it just he'd been there from the very beginning. Um, he mentioned. What is it? Our unit had 16,000 casualties in uh, 18 months. And wow. um, and that was in response to, wow, we don't hear a lot about that. And he said, well, that's because there's not a lot of us left anymore. 
to tell the story. Yeah. You know, really. Mm-hmm. It's... If you actually look into it, yeah, it's crazy how quickly that turned and um, Allied forces got pushed back into the Pusan perimeter. And so... Yeah, he, he literally could have been on a jeep operating while retreating. You know, he said it seemed like we were constantly bugging out. And I think, in my opinion, it's like he... That made an indelible mark on him that then led to the breakdown we see here. Because, you know, again, we just see a deluge and the guys are... They're used to it. We also but, see this from... Um, but he seemed used to it also. Which, except that it just ended up being too much, finally. Right. Well, I th it was the choice that he had to make. It mm. came to... He got someone on that had a lot of arterial damage. In his leg. In his leg. And and Margaret said, amputate it or we're going to try to keep it. And he couldn't... You could just see his mind going back and forth like he knew mm -hmm. he could fix it but was there time yeah and i i think it, it harkened fixable. i think it brought him back to that jeep ride right and he just yeah he was frozen and i i have to give props to the costume designers at that point because you look at his surgery smock and there were just blood sprays all over yeah, like, on his mask on his chest his hands were covered. Yeah, we later see it looked like he dipped his gloves in red paint. Um, that doubt, I'm sure, was hard. He was sweating. You could see sweat just dripping on his face. And How do you make that decision, though? Especially if you, like, Hawkeye walked right up and said, we're going to take the leg. Margaret said, are you sure? He's like, yes, because if I take his leg, I can save his life. Yeah. So... I think as a doctor, they would want to save it. And I think yeah, they well, do Hawkeye, want to, but yeah. there's... Hawkeye says that, you know, it's you like... You know, you have I, to make a choice. Do you, do you want that guy to live? Or this guy to stay whole. Right. Save two lives. You can you can have crutches or you can put on a fake leg. You can't put on a new life. life. Um, but to make those decisions every day. Can yeah. you imagine a life... Like, I have sometimes, you know, trouble, what am I going to wear the next day? You know? Yeah. I, the, these are literally life, life and, and death decisions. Mm -hmm. And they have to be made quickly. And daily. I mean, hourly yeah. sometimes, mm -hmm. depending on casualty rate. And I just, yeah, I think that got too much for Steve Newsom for this replacement surgeon. And did you mentioned why they had a replacement surgeon, right? Because of the Because mom. of the mumps. Yeah. Yes. So Winchester and Potter both came down with it and... That's an interesting setup that we see with them. Is well, they're pretty so. much just quarantined in Potter's tent the whole time. So we just see Harry Morgan and... Um, Winchester. Yeah, no, I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, Potter and Winchester just interacting in the tent. And it's very interesting to watch that because Potter is very cowboy and Winchester is very silk handkerchief. I'll, yes. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> so, so one wants to listen to Western country music and one wants to listen to operas. And they do not have any similarities. 
I must listen to the immortal Enrico Caruso. Does Caruso? Yeah. If that Caruso guy is so great, can he yodel? Not if his life depended on it. (laughs) It was pretty good. But again, just uh, Edward Herman as Steve Newsom just does a fantastic job, in my opinion. I mean, I think you can watch him literally watch him crack. You, I mean, he's going on, he's doing his surgery, and it was just the look in his face. He told Mm -hmm. the whole story, yeah, without saying a word. And that's an actor, yeah, like you just watched him, yeah. Amputate Keith, Amputate Keith, Amputate Keith. Well, and even before and, then, you you see it you, build. I mean, you know, from from his after his first surgery, he just started wiping. I yeah, yes. he started wiping his hands, and then he was having insomnia, and you know, then when they were going into their second session, which happened pretty quickly, he just he had to he had to like compose himself, and he almost wasn't able to. And then Hawkeye just said, "Newsom, table for one." Oh. Oh, yeah. And then he went in, and it was during that session, I think, that he went. But, yeah. And then he just sat in a court. They said, you looking for Newsom? He's he, in Because here. he disappeared during surgery. Yeah, he went AWOL. And they couldn't find him. And he ended up in Colonel Potter's tent with Colonel Potter and Winchester just sitting on the ground. And at first, mm-hmm. without any emotion. Yeah. But then just the that guy came and talked. That thousand-yard stare. He just... Oh my gosh, he just started to bawl. Yeah. And thank goodness for Ryan, because mm-hmm. I would have been bawling right along with him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hawkeye was about to chew him all, and then Potter said, Pierce. Look at him. And they sat down, and, you know, there's one on each side, and I think that was a very powerful, powerful scene, because you see Hawkeye and BJ trying to just, just see what's going on with Newsom. Then he said... Uh, BJ said he was as strong as any of us. Mm-hmm. And Hawkeye said, that's what scares me. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're all at that brink, which we yeah. see at the last well, episode. And yeah, yeah, you know, Hawkeye has his problems throughout uh, the series. BJ stays sane somehow, and this guy, Newsom's sanity, he, he kept it in check. He was able to maintain it, but it cracked, and once it cracked, it was gone. I wonder it if Newsom had a family. Because it makes me think, like, the family's what keeps you grounded. Like, mm. BJ has a family, so he yeah. knows at home. He has to come home, and he has Aaron, and he has a, a, a wonderful wife who he mm-hmm. loves. Yeah. So he has something to look forward to going home mm-hmm. where Hawkeye doesn't. That's true. And he can let his brain just... Go yeah. where it needs to go. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, well, I, I get think it. maybe having a family maybe. gives you something to work for to keep your sanity. Yeah. It, it's it's an anchor. It's yeah, and it's, I, I'm just reaching well, at um, straws. B, so BJ refers to his wife and child as um like like his buoy, his life ring. Okay. Yeah, because that's what um I get. Okay. the the one news reporter who comes in actually makes a sketch of him with a. Uh, Mill Valley oh. life ring around his neck at that one point and it has a rope going off and that's that's his, that's what keeps him afloat, yeah Yeah. 
I, it's um, a, I, that's the first time that's ever hit me. But yes, yeah. now that you say that, that makes mm-hmm. yeah. so much sense. Okay. Um, yeah, I, a lot going on in this episode because yeah. you have the conflict between him and himself, and you have um, the Winchester. <laughs> and I'm also wondering. Is that true about mumps that you can't have kids anymore if you're I've, an older man and you I've get heard mumps? that it, that it could happen. Okay. Not that it will, but that it could. That's they talk I'd... a lot about sterility in men who have mumps. Yeah, yep. Um, but you know they like Potter had to reassure Winchester at that point. You're getting plenty of rest. You have a a mild case. You've had a buttload of gamma globulin. You should be fine. What you'll, a fun word. You'll be walking around in a house full of little Roman numerals. Because <laughs> he was talking about Winchester the, the third. third. could be Winchester, Charles Emerson Winchester, the last. The last. Um, I have a few other interesting quotes from this episode. Did you have anything else? No. I, I okay. Don't, go ahead. I yeah. Um, just one with Potter and Winchester. They were starting out playing Jim Rummy as just a means to try and pass the time, but Winchester kept winning. And, uh, you know, like, the the last game that we see them play, he lays down his cards and goes, Gin and Potter goes, again? Colonel, it hardly requires a degree in different... I can't... <clears throat> I, I need to work on my Winchester Boston accent. I can do a Kennedy Boston accent, but that's not Winchester. It hardly requires a degree in differential calculus to master the numerical sequence of ace, deuce, tray. That's uh, just... I, I'm a math guy. I have a degree that included advanced studies in differential calculus, so that just struck me as funny. But yes, it wouldn't require that much study. <laughs> These are doctors, though. Um, and then the other two that I really wanted to bring out were when Hawkeye was talking to Newsom. Just that scene, that gloriously sad and powerful scene when Newsom is just sitting there with his, um, you know, sitting on his butt, his knees in his chest, his glasses hung over a finger, and he's just wringing his hands. And he just, he's wringing them, and then he, he scrubs them, and he goes, you see, it, it won't come off. The blood won't come off and he just shows him to Hawkeye and BJ and no matter no matter what I do it just stays there no matter how hard I scrub and wash it's not coming off what do they expect me to do I can't I just can't and that's you know, he reached his point. Right there, he reached his point. And um, I, I think also it's interesting to watch the rest of the staff in that moment because literally Hawkeye doesn't say anything at first. He just looks up and just... What do you he, he shrugs and just shakes his head. And I think it's Potter who says, this is a little over our head. You better call Sydney. Because they can work on the body, but... They're not doctors of the mind. They have nothing to do to help Newsom, except just let him sit there until he can move, basically. But very, very powerful episode. Mad props to um, Edward Herman. So all of them, 
this this episode just yeah. brings out the talent that's in this the, the feelings that you get whether you're whatever your part is in yeah. this it everyone yeah i loved watching potter and winchester react just as mm -hmm. much as i like to watch him because mm -hmm. they're so different yeah well definitely um Worth pointing out. Well, let, let's go through the guest recurring cast. Okay. Yeah. Guest stars, Edward Herman, Captain Stephen G. J. Newsom, uncredited appearances by Kelly Nakahara, Jennifer Davis, Joanne Thompson, Gwen Farrell, Jan Jordan, and Roy Goldman. The writers, Gene Reynolds for the story with W.C. Hines, Richard Hooker, and Ring Lardner Jr. Uh, t teleplay by Dennis Koenig, and the director was, oh, was Mike it? Farrell. Really? B.J. Oh, Honeycutt. I, I knew it wasn't the right... I, I, oh, he does a good job. He does. <laughs> the production code was S616, 616, and the original air date was January 14, 1980. All right. Next episode, season 8, episode 18, Old Soldiers. And before you tell about this, I just want to say, as soon as I saw the picture on this, yeah, it's. I have to say, Chris always tells you his top ten. This is definitely in my top three mm -hmm. of favorites. I and I know we're going to probably go over our favorites at one point, but yeah, this, this is one that sticks with me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about it. I just love this episode. No, I get it. It's um, as powerful an episode in a different way. And you could look at it as making a definitive statement about war or a definitive statement about the camaraderie that soldiers feel. Um, a lot of different ways you could look at this episode. It was really well done. And you have the youth versus death. Yeah, like, and, and both figuratively and literally in a couple of scenes. And it's great. It's really well done. Uh, old soldiers. Basic synopsis. Potter gets a call, and he goes to Tokyo General uh, to visit a sick friend. In the meantime, he leaves Pierce in charge, which we've seen before, so there's right. precedent. He leaves Pierce in charge, and a Red Cross nurse comes in with a gaggle of kids, and they had to trek through some like underbrush to get there. They got all scratched up. And the doctors want to give them all tetanus shots just to be safe. This ties back in when Potter comes back. All the kids and the adults are sensitive to the tetanus serum because it's horse-based. That's where they uh, incubated the, the, the weakened form of the virus. It was in, like, horse horses. And uh, Potter goes off on this rant about why should you be eating horses? Horses are a majestic animal. You shouldn't use them for meat. We're doing a favor to cows by eating them, that sort of thing. Because cows are ugly. Because cows are ugly. <laughs> and everybody just looks at him. And there's this worry about him. Because, you know, he went to see a sick friend. He's been acting very weird since he came back. And uh, come to find out it was his last buddy from his squad in World War One that was dying in the hospital in Tokyo and 
they had made a tontine in World War One, that the last surviving member of their group uh, share a bottle of brandy from the stash that they found this night in World War One with their current friends and toast their old friends. And so that's how it ends, is uh, Potter toasting his old friends and then having a drink with his current friends. Very interesting episode. Um, this is where I learned what a tontine was. Which is... A pledge. In, yeah, a pledge, an agreement. You know, basically, uh, they... You know, the, the expounded story is that Potter was in France, World War One, 1917, with his four buddies. They were in a chateau during um, artillery barrage, and they found a stash of brandy that was very good. They drank it all up to the last bottle, and then let some legal eagle handle it so that the last surviving member would get it. And that's basically what a tontine is. Everybody puts in, last person live, gets out. What what do you have for this episode? Oh, so much. <laughs> if, <sighs> if, if you really like it, why don't you lead off? Well, I love when the children, you know, of course, you put Pierce in charge, you know something's <laughs> going to happen. He's walking around bragging to BJ, look how great I am in charge. Nothing. And that, the oh, only and thing, you've, you've issued no <laughs> orders. The only well, order you've made in two days is for a double scotch. <laughs> And, but in walks all these children with yeah. Betty the nurse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it ever says her last name. Actually, I only caught her last name. Oh, and I only caught her first name. Betty Halpern. Oh, Betty Halpern. And um, <laughs> that, that's a cool last name for yeah. Halper. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. she walks in with all of these children with the scratches all over them. Mm-hmm. And um, just the, the look on the people's faces like Klinger automatically you know has a favorite and Margaret (laughs) has hers and and you can just see the the children's reaction and the Mm -hmm. adults reaction they were precious yeah anytime that children come into MASH it always brings a little bit of sunlight and life to an otherwise very dreary situation for the staff right and it just lit up the camp yeah. Both ways. The mm-hmm. kids were lit up. Um, but one of my favorite scenes with the kids is when Colonel Potter is listening to Roses of Piccadilly. That's his oh. French record. And he was listening to that and in walks a little boy. And yeah. he saw that what Colonel he saw Colonel Potter and he immediately was frightened yeah. and was going to turn around and walk away. And Colonel no, no. Potter says, No, no, come on in, come on in. And they're watching the record go around, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, Colonel Potter shared with him some candy that he had gotten. Fudge. Fudge. Fudge from Tokyo. From Tokyo, and the little boy was almost afraid to eat it. He showed him, takes a bite. Colonel Potter got a big smile. This little boy, and mm. he just sat back on Colonel Potter's lap like yeah. he was the king of the world, and Colonel yeah. Potter was just embracing the fact that this yeah. child... A child can make you feel things that nothing else can make you feel. Well, well and he has a great little dialogue. With I mean, well, it's more of a monologue. Right. <laughs> with uh-huh. the child as a prop, but... Yeah. Because he's also... He's listening to the French record. 
And then he takes out some pictures and says, yeah, you see, that's me in that Paris. Me. And the kid looks at him like, no, seriously, really? that's me. I, th- I thought the mustache would make me look older. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have quite as much snow on the roof. You know, and, and he's explaining to this boy what he needed to say to yeah. himself. But he yeah. got to say it out loud, which mm-hmm. I think we should do more often. Well, even as a teacher, it's like oftentimes you figure out what you need when you say it out loud. You just have a one-way conversation with somebody and your mind figures it out easier. And yeah, Potter is saying, you know... He's figuring things out with this little boy in his lap. Yeah. I was full of youth then. Now I'm on the other side and you still have some glorious times ahead of you, don't you? Well, you have a little rough start there, but you'll do great. Yeah, hopefully this ends soon so that you can have those wonderful times. Yeah, they just it's a great way to end that scene with the two of them just kind of They just sat back and melted into each other like they were one person. Listening, listening to the music, eating their fudge. Yeah. What a glorious moment. Yeah. You know, I think of my times yeah. when Ryan's sitting on my lap and yeah. we just sit back <laughs> and we yeah. you know, Ryan and I like to listen to Mozart in the in the morning because, you know Yeah. Yeah. It, it just gets your mind going, I think. Yeah. No, it, it was great. Um, But yeah, I, I kept asking Laura what was going through her mind. Why would oh, yeah, he be doing did. this? Why would he be doing this? Because this was the first time she saw this, and it's like, why would he be listening to French records? We know at this point that he had been through World War One and World War Two. Why was he listening to French records? Why did he get a package in the mail from lawyers? Why did he go off on horses being used as meat? You know, why? Why all of this? She came up with some interesting ideas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, was he listening to the records because of an old girlfriend that he had in Paris? Well, that's possible. It was before Mrs. Potter. Something about a horse, she said. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, what? a sick horse? Well, then he wouldn't have really gone to Tokyo, though. Okay. But, yeah. Went to visit his last friend, Gresky, who died in Tokyo. So, um, it's really cool to see Potter put on this old World War I cavalry uniform. And he put thought into this. It wasn't just, come on guys, let's get over. He actually made invitations to certain people to come to his tent in two days or one day or something. But he wouldn't tell them right away. Yeah. so much thought went into this that he yeah. made invitations for them to come. And, That's and what everybody was scared because all they saw was somebody go off on, you know, on the mess tent basically, and then. So they thought he was sick and dying. Yeah. I mean, he went to Tokyo General. Mm-hmm. And so everybody arrived at his tent after the kids left. They all left very happy, having gotten uh, non-horse made Serum. serums. Uh, on a mash bus to get them out but then they arrive at Potter's tent and Mulcahy is the one of course who's like well if none of you are going to go in I will because nobody wanted to go in Margaret said I kind of want to know but I don't want to know you know <laughs> I, yeah absolutely I mean up, up until you know it's a Schrodinger's cat thing yeah until you or not? <laughs> yeah, uh, until you actually know it's not bad right it can be either. Once you ask, you remove all doubt. But they found out, you know, they went in. 
and uh, Margaret Potter's starting to give a little speech and Margaret gives him a hug and <laughs> he goes what was that for and he's looking at Pierce and Pierce says I would do the same thing if I didn't think you'd slug me <laughs> now put your tear ducts on simmer I'm I went to Tokyo to see a friend who passed away and then he starts to explain about the whole thing and uh, you know uh, Charles knows about knows what a tontine is and Potter the package he got in the mail was this bottle of brandy and uh, you know he says as I recall it was very smooth in 1917 and Winchester says then it must then it'll be absolutely glorious now keep in mind this is you know 1951 two or three depending on what timeline we're living in <laughs> so that's 40 years extra aged in a bottle it'll it should be good um, and he says one thing boys and girls I want to make this first toast alone to my old friends to Ryan who died in the great war to end all wars to Gianelli who died in the one after that to Stein and to Greski who just passed away in Tokyo you were the friends of my youth we had great times. I can't remember the rest of the speech, but he, you know, here's to you, boys. Drink to the memories, he said. That's all I remember. Okay. And Very now smooth. for the new. And now for the new. To love and friendship. Mm-hmm. And uh, something in the wiki that I find interesting, uh, according to one of the notes here, David Ogden Steers, Wins uh, Winchester, regards Potter's tontine speech as his favorite memory of the show. See, yeah, it, because mm -hmm. it was just... It was a great speech. Yeah. Harry Morgan did a wonderful job presenting it, and it was it was just a well-constructed speech. Did you just get the chills? Yeah, that, not because of this, but <laughs> oh. it happens. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe because of the speech. No. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that would be lovely, but no. All right, um... What else do you have about this? Because the only thing I have left is uh, the the order that Potter gave to Klinger after the the last commercial, and that really it's an <laughs> add-on to the episode. It's not really part of this great moment. So, <laughs> what else do you have? Um, everything I think we pretty much covered. So okay, shall I then? Go for it. Okay, so yeah, the it's this very sweet episode with these kids and Potter. And one thing, uh, Potter tells Klinger, when he's still in Tokyo, Potter tells Klinger, I'm expecting a package. If it comes, you guard it with your life. Has it come yet? No, sir. The only thing that's come for you is your laundry. And it looks like they starched your shorts again. Damn! Still <laughs> chafing from the last time. So to round out the episode, the post-commercial scene is you see Potter kind of doing a cowboy saunter into the office and he's clearly in pain. <laughs> I thought maybe, my first thought was he drank too much of the yeah, brandy because he had that too. painful look on his face. Yeah, but then like he gets in and I think Klinger goes, Sir, take a memo to all laundry personnel. Use of starch in laundering is expressly forbidden, especially on my shorts. <laughs> Oh, he's so funny <laughs> he is I, I love Harry Morgan and I, I'm sorry 
uh, he passed away. Uh, he was getting old, so it was bound to happen, but great actor. Oh, yeah. I loved him as Colonel Potter. Way in the Elvis movies from years back, and he was old then, mm. so. He was in Dragnet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was, uh, what? Uh, one of the Dragnet guys. Yeah, he wasn't the main. <laughs> no, he was the boring one. <laughs> <laughs> the straight lace, yeah. All right. Um, Two great episodes. Yeah. Not Very for... highly recommend them. Uh, guest stars recurring cast. We had Jane Connell playing Betty Halpern, the Red Cross worker. Uh, Jason Ottajay as one of the Korean boys. Sally Imamura as one of the Korean girls. With uncredited appearances by Kelly Nakahara, Jennifer Davis, and Joanne Thompson. The episode was written by Dennis Koenig. The director was Charles S. Dubin. The original air date was January 21st, 1980. And the production code, which I forgot to read previously, was S620. I wonder how they choose which children got credited. Yeah. Because there were tons of children. A lot of them spoke. And yet they only credited two. I'm yeah. guessing the boy that sat on Harry Morgan's lap. But I'm guessing. And then I would, my guess would be Rita. The oh, one Rita that Klinger was... <laughs> was uh yeah because oh well, the bomb she, thing yeah the yes, bomb one forgot. but then she was also in uh yeah that was kind of sad Klinger was telling R uh rita about uh the three little pigs and then he was saying how the big bad wolf came down the chimney and she just because ah, she was, thought it was a bomb and he's like no 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 i promise it's a happy ending i promise i promise but yeah then when potter comes back She's wearing Klinger's uh, mud hen's shirt, I and think, and his cap, cap, and she's... <laughs> she looked like a little girl Klinger. Yeah, and she's typing away on the typewriter, and Klinger comes in, Sir, she just correctly typed Masumina. She's well on her way to being a great company clerk. So. so how do they watch this with us? And yeah. how do the MASH people that want to get in touch with us so that they can come be guest stars on our podcast? Gee, I have no idea. Why I don't, think I'll you do. do. <laughs> um, so yeah, right now, um, if you want to watch the episodes, we, we still encourage you to. I know that it's come off of Netflix. Uh, head on over to Amazon. They should have it on there. Either to purchase digital copies or the physical copies, check out the box set. If you um, are really interested in MASH, check out the box set that they came out with several years ago. MASH Martinis and Medicine Collection. I highly recommend that. Has the extra specials in it and everything. Uh, in terms of keeping up with us in this podcast, if you in, pardon me, enjoy listening to us, you can do that by going over to our website, narclaninc.com. N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast link. Go to the Whiskey and Mash page. There on the page are all the back episodes of our podcast in raw MP3 format. What does that mean for you? That means that you can either stream the episodes right off the web page, or you can download them to your favorite MP3 playing device. If you don't do the MP3 thing, but you do do the podcast thing, or you'd just rather subscribe to a podcast feed and have everything taken care of for you, Head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Just search for Whiskey and Mash. Subscribe, and then you'll get all the new episodes downloaded to your device automatically. Also, what you can do to keep up with us as we release new episodes, head over to Facebook.com. Now, on the Narclan Inc. page for Whiskey and Mash, there is a Facebook link. Otherwise, you can go to Facebook.com slash Whiskey and Mash. That is our Facebook page. 
every time I post a new episode, I will take the synopsis that I create for the website, put it over there on the Facebook page so that it posts and it would uh, show up on top of your news feed. But follow us, like us, let us know that you're out there. Like the uh, episodes of ours that you like and let us know what you think. If we got something wrong, please let us know there. If you don't do the Facebook thing, but you still want to know, uh, you still want us to know that you know we got something wrong, we got something right, you want to clarify a point, or just get in contact with us, you can head over again to that webpage, narclaninc.com slash whiskeyandmash, all one word, and there is an email button there on the page. Click, click that, and it'll open up an email browser window. So if you're using, like, Outlook, it would open up your Outlook and start composing a new email to us. Basically, the email is just whiskeyandmash at narclaninc.com. And then you can email us here directly at the podcast and let us know what you think or what you want to tell us or how badly we did an episode or whatever. Or if, how great we did. Yes, that too. If you are really enjoying our podcast and you want to help us and support this podcast, what you can do is share this podcast with a friend, a family member, a coworker, somebody you know who you think would enjoy listening to us for roughly 40 minutes a week. Um, it's normally entertaining, I think. Sometimes we get a little preachy. Sometimes we bring politics into it. Sometimes we have too many drinks and we get giggly. And that's great, too. <laughs> Thanks for great listening. Uh, but, you know, we're in Season 8. We're getting on toward the end of Season 8. We still have Season 9, 10, and 11. And then after MASH. And then after MASH. And then we'll be looking into uh, other shows to do this with. Because yeah, I enjoy doing this weekly just sitting down with like Laura you and Ryan knows MASH now oh it, yeah she can <laughs> even spell it you know it's a great <laughs> thing to share shows like this with a new generation because I think that there's value and meaning and that's mm -hmm. why we're doing this and we hope that you enjoy MASH for some of the same reasons because of some of the the messages that it holds let us know but in the meantime I'm Chris I'm Gloria have yourself a great week <laughs> Beautiful Bill Paxton is. He's an actor. He just passed away better than I watched. Yes. Um, I, I recognize the portrait of him. Oh, you you guys on your watch, too? I saw it on Facebook this morning. Oh, yeah. okay. I couldn't say right off the guy. It's like, oh, that guy. I've seen yeah. him in things. <laughs> in things and other things and more things. And, huh. Good afternoon, yeah. good game day. Yeah, thanks for taking the Yeah, have a great day, everyone. Bye. <laughs>